can hear me? Good morning, everybody, again. <laughs> Thank you, band, for the great praise of worship we just had. Thank you for that. Um, just to add to what James said, um, I wanted to encourage you too with that because there's blessings that go with giving as well. And they are, um, first of all, that God says he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing and so much of it that there's not room enough to receive it. That sounds like a pretty good promise to me. And the other one is that he will rebuke the devourer for our sake as well. So uh, both of those things are great. And uh, we can do with that, especially at the moment. So the, what I'm speaking on this morning is fear not. Fear not, okay? <laughs> You know, I, this is a topic which I have been thinking about for quite a, a while. It's something that we all face. I think, especially in the last few years, fear and anxiety have risen significantly. In fact, there was a study that was published in October 2021, which is quite some time ago, which said that uh, anxiety had risen by 25% since prior to 2020. That's a lot. That's a big rise, isn't it? And I don't know what's happened to it since then because we're a, another year and a half on from that. And there's been a lot of things that have happened and there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. But you know what? God tells us not to fear. The spirit of fear, and there is a demonic spirit of fear as well, that Spirit has been active over the last few years, very active. And many people are fearful because of all sorts of things, sickness, disease, family problems, uh, lately rumours of wars, financial stresses. But again, God tells us not to fear. And actually, it's probably, there's been quite a bit of trauma in the last few years, probably for all of us in some way. And so we need to make sure that we have not allowed fear to take root in us. You know, God's word says a whole lot of things about fear. Now, I want to tell you a few, I want to give you a few definitions. Fear is an unpleasant emotion. Do you agree with that? It's an unpleasant emotion, and it's caused by the threat of danger, pain, or harm. God says, fear not. To be afraid is, is that's a feeling of fear or anxiety, and God says, do not be afraid. Anxiety is worrying about something that's got an uncertain outcome, so don't be anxious. That's what God says. Worry is feeling anxious about a problem or a potential problem. I think Brownie might have said recently that most of the things we worry about don't actually happen. It's true, isn't it? It's true. And yet we allow it to stay in our mind and wake us up at night and make us toss and turn and get all upset. But God says, do not worry. And dismay, that's another word for fear. It's concern or stress caused by something unexpected. But God says, do not be dismayed. And he also says, do not be troubled. Now, being troubled, that's 
another way of showing stress or anxiety, but God says, do not let your heart be troubled. And so God says all of these things many, many times throughout the Bible. Why? Because he's trying to get the point across. Do not fear. When we fear, it's like being in a boat that's being tossed around by a storm in the sea. And fear prevents us also from living in the authority that Jesus gave us. And fear gives also an opening to the enemy as well to cause havoc and chaos in our lives. So I want to give you an example in Matthew 8. So fear, fear and anxiety can come when we get our eyes off God and focus on the circumstances. So in Matthew 8, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and Jesus fell asleep. He must have maybe went below decks and went to sleep. But a, a storm arose and it was so bad that waves were crashing over the boat. So it would have been pretty bad. Has anyone been in a boat when that's happened before? I've been in the ferry when, when you see the horizon go like that and then down like that. I've been in a, in a ferry like that, <laughs> crossing the Cook Strait, and it was not very pleasant. But th that's what happened. And do you know what? Jesus didn't even wake up. He was just sleeping, sleeping. But his disciples woke him and they said, Fearfully, it says in the Bible, they said, save us, Lord, we could die. <laughs> and what did Jesus say? He said in verse 26 of Matthew 8, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And then what he did was he got up, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and they became completely calm. So he exercised his authority. And the cool thing is that because of what Jesus did on the cross, he actually delegated that authority to us as well. Luke 10, 19 says that he's given us authority over all the enemy's power. Uh, he's also said, um, all authority has been given to me in Matthew 28, 18. Go therefore. And we've been made joint heirs with Christ Jesus. So, you know, we've got the authority. We've got that authority. So anyway, what happened to the disciples? What was it? that caused them to be fearful. They got their eyes off God and onto the storm. They got their eyes onto the circumstances. Their focus was on the circumstances and the storm. That allowed their faith and trust in God to be pushed aside by the storm. And uh, uh, as James mentioned before, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So a sound mind is a mind that's at peace, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what's going on around us. So if you're waking up in the night worrying, and I, I'm putting my hand up here because sometimes that happens to me as well. I don't know, does anyone, am I the only one that that happens to? <laughs> it's quite unpleasant <laughs> because then you wake up in the morning and feel really tired. <laughs> And have you ever found that the next morning nothing, it doesn't ever seem as bad as it did in the night? <laughs> so that's, an ish, that's a, a consequence of having some fear of some kind or worry or, or anxiety. Um, maybe, maybe what we're doing when that happens is we're, we're listening to the world more than listening to God, or we're listening, we're looking at the circumstances more than we're keeping our eyes on God. 
And uh, I just want to point this out, though. That this is I'm not, don't confuse this with the fear of the Lord. That's something completely different. That's um, that's deep reverence of God. So that's a different thing. So that type of fear is a good thing to have, but fear that creates a negative emotion in you is not a good thing to have, and it's actually from the enemy. So I want to talk about worry for a moment. Now Jesus said, do not worry, Matthew 6, 24. And I'm going to start with verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So... Often this verse is used in regards to um, serving money or serving God or, or things like that. But verse 25 goes, therefore, do not worry. So verse 24 is saying, you can't serve two masters. Nobody can. You can't be fearful, fearful and have faith and trust in God at the same time. It's either one or the other. So... Verse 25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, God knows that you need all of those things, and so you don't need to worry about those details because God will take care of that if you trust him in faith. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they not, are you not of more value than they? Yes, definitely. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a stature? In other words, how are you going to add anything by worrying? No. All it does is cause you to lose sleep and your stress levels to rise, creates an opening for the enemy. So verse 28 and 29, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Very true. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And verse 30, So if God now so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, in other words, it's there today and gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And verse 31 to 32, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what will we wear? For after these, all everybody else seeks. Okay, everybody is seeking that. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So what do we need to do? Just seek God first. And verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. That's true, isn't it? There's no point worrying about things in the future. Not, no point at all. <laughs> no point at all. So what does Jesus tell us to do instead of worrying? Well, first of all, number one, I'd say this, do not let your heart be troubled. So that's John 14, 1. It says it in there. So that indicates, that I'll just say that again, do not let your heart be troubled. So that indicates a conscious choice, eh? It's a choice that we have to make. We have to decide not to worry. And I know it can be easier to say than do. However, we need to get into that place where we can recognize it quickly and then get into the habit of casting it onto the Lord. Point two is cast your care on the Lord. 
1 Peter 5, 7 and Psalm 55, 22 says that. Cast your care on the Lord for the Lord cares for you is, is the one in 1 Peter 5, 7. So again, we've got to decide to cast our care on the Lord. We have to make a conscious decision about that. And then we open the door for God to work on our behalf. And the third point is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's it. So meditate on the scriptures that relate to that. And um, I'd also suggest listen to James's message from the 15th of January. He was speaking on righteousness. Um, that was a really great message if you would like to do a bit of study on that. I'd, I'd strongly recommend it if you weren't here that week. So God knows we have needs, so when we cast all our care, worry, anxiety, troubles and cares onto him, he provides everything we need and sometimes too, he provides in ways we're not expecting as well. So we attack fear, worry, anxiety, cares and troubles with the truth. So what is the truth? Our sign outside says Jesus is the real source of truth. He is the real truth. <laughs> Jesus is the truth. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So to receive salvation, and that's just a, a pretty basic thing about Christianity, is we have to acknowledge that Jesus did everything he did on the cross for us to make us right with God again, to make us righteous again. We, didn't, we can't do it ourselves because sin prevents us, but Jesus did it for us, which is wonderful. And, you know, the word says in John 17, 17, the word is truth, and, and also in um, John 1, it says, it makes that link that Jesus is the word. The word became flesh, it says, and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the truth. So truth is not subjective. Now, I, there's, some, there's some ideologies in this world that are very much anti-God. And one of them is that truth is subjective, that you have your truth. But that actually is a lie from the enemy. And he's been working hard at, in lots of ways to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy one thing he really wants to do is to kill families. He wants to destroy families. Why? Because that's what the heart of God is. God wants family. He loves family. In our church, we are a family. We're a whānau, you know. So we, we, we are family to God. We're his children. And so the enemy likes to destroy anything that resembles that in any way. So... There is no such thing as your truth. There is only the truth. And Jesus is the source of that truth. He is the truth. So what does the truth say? The truth about any situation you will ever face, including the situations you might be facing right now, is this. First of all, here's some examples. The truth says, be anxious for nothing. In Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious for anything. There's nothing that you need to be anxious about. And the verse goes on to say, 
But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So in other words, tell God about it, let him deal with it on your behalf, and then thank him for doing it. And you can thank him before it even seems like he's done anything, because as soon as he hears your prayer, he's working on it straight away. The next verse says, and it follows on from that, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. In other words, the peace of God that you will have that won't make any sense because even if things are going crazy all around you, the peace of God that passes all of that understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a good promise, eh? What else does the truth say? The truth says, stand fast in the Lord. Philippians 4.1. Stand fast. What does that mean? That just means hold your ground. It means plant your feet and stay there. So when circumstances threaten us, we stand fast in God's word. And the only real truth is God's word. Circumstances aren't really the truth. It's easy to think that the truth is that the circumstances say this and that. It's easy to think that symptoms of sickness or disease or mental illness or whatever are symptoms, but they are not the truth. They are not the truth. The things that we're feared, what I'm trying to say is the things that we might fear or be anxious about or have cares about or worry about, they aren't the truth. Another truth is that God says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. That's from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. I'll actually read that. I'll go into there. Okay, so verse 16 says, rejoice always. Very short scripture. Rejoice always, that means all the time. Second one is verse 17, pray without ceasing. That's important too. Keep telling God um, and thank him for it. And verse 18, it actually says that, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I want to point this out. It does not mean give thanks for everything. You don't do that. It, you, in every situation, have a thankful heart. It doesn't mean say, oh, thank you, God, for those horrible things that are happening to me. I'm really glad that I'm thank, thankful, Lord, that I don't have any money or, or that, you know, that I have um, whatever, whatever it is that the situation says. No, we don't say that. We say, thank you, God, that despite what's going on around us, you, Lord, are the rock that we cling to. You, Lord are the one that we can trust. We have our faith and our confidence in you, God, because you're our provider. You're our supplier. You multiply our seed. You give us increase. You provide for us. You protect us. You keep us safe. All of those things. Okay. Now, I want to uh, point out, you know, that God is always moved by our faith, not our fear. Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. So that just means we just need to be trusting God, okay? We need to trust him in a simplistic way. There's more to it than that, but trust God and be in faith, okay? 
Now, Isaiah 41, I want you to turn there if you've got your Bible with you or if you've got an app. Um, Isaiah 41, verse 10. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's a lot in that scripture. First of all, he says, I am your God. And I, when I think of that, I think of God walking ahead of me. I think of him, he, he knows what's around the corner. He's, he's ahead looking around that corner. He knows. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows what's, what's happening. Nothing surprises God. Nothing at all. It might surprise us, but it does not surprise God. So that means if we're trusting him, he knows what the answer is to anything that might crop up. So he goes ahead of us. He says, I am with you. So he walks with us by our side. He holds us by our right hand. And in verse 13 it says, um, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand. So he, he says, Fear not, I'm holding your hand. I'm with you. I'm with you every step of the way. Uh, verse 10 also says, I will strengthen you. So he stre how does he do that? He strengthens us from the inside out. And it's all about his presence. And we had a really lovely time of praise and worship this morning where we were entered into his presence. Um, the, the truth is that the truth of the word of God says that we find fullness of joy when we're in his presence. That's why we need to make sure when we come to church that we come with, a good, with, a, with an attitude of, you know, Prepare yourself before you come to church. Peter and I were praying on the way to church, and we always do this. And one way I start is I just say, Lord, I invite your presence. And I just stop with my eyes shut as we're driving, but I'm not driving. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not driving when, when I close my eyes. <laughs> But I say, Lord, I invite your presence. And I tell you what, when I'm just still, I can feel his presence immediately. You can do that too. And I can feel it right now. Just for me, the way I can feel it is I just feel this incredible sense of peace. I can feel like a tingling in my hands. But for you, it might be a little bit different. So we just say, Lord... We invite your presence, Lord. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your presence. It says, we find fullness of joy in his presence. So that's from Psalm 1611. I'm just going to read that out to you. And I know I've said this before, but it's so important we get a revelation of this. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Are you lacking joy today? Maybe you haven't been spending enough time in the presence of God because we'll always find it in his presence. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. So we'll find strength in the presence of God. If we, if we, so those two scriptures kind of have a progression, don't they? We'll find 
joy in his presence, but we'll find strength in the joy of the Lord, so we must find strength in his presence. Do you get that? It's kind of like a mathematical thing. It's, uh, it's so important that we're strengthened in the Lord. And, and I really encourage you, spend time um, in God's presence, really uh, soaking in his presence, because there you will find not only peace, but also joy and strength for whatever you need to face. Okay, verse 10 again, I will help you. You know, God has every answer. And um, God's word, of God's word. this is our answer book. And the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He teaches us. He reveals revelation in the word. When, when we're born again, it's like the, the Holy Spirit actually comes to dwell in us. It's like he leaves a layer of himself inside us, which I love. And, and we, he guides us, he teaches us, he gives us revelation. And it's so important that we um, just listen to his voice as well. Hebrews 13, 5 to 6 says, God will never leave us or forsake us. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Nothing really, in the end. One day we all die. If we know God, we, we head off to heaven, and we have that assurance, don't we? We can't take anything with us. So really, what can man do to us? Nothing really. But God wants to bless us abundantly so we have overflow. And um, Pastor Peter and I want to talk about that next week because next week's Vision Sunday. So I'd encourage you all to make sure you're here next week um, because we want to talk about where we see ourselves headed in 2023. So verse 10, one more thing, it says, I will uphold you. So I like to think of that as being him being underneath us and lifting us up above the circumstances, above the symptoms, above the trouble, above the things we're facing. Um, Pastor Peter, do you want to come up and give your testimony? So he's got a testimony to share, which... Thank you. Picture, if you will, a cute little 10-year-old when I was about this high. Blonde hair. Didn't think I cared too much for anything except the day that we decided that we were going to go and live in a boy's home. So my parents decided that that was their future. They were going to go and run this boy's home in Nelson where we got to share our lives with 41 other young men that were, um, let's just say, troubled. And, uh, of course, being the oldest in our family and the cutest, of course, um, whenever any of the boys had a problem with my dad, they took it out on me. So 41 boys over a year all had problems with dad, so... As you can well imagine, I had my share of abuse. I've been physically abused, verbally abused. The worst things that you could ever consider being done to a person, I've had done basically to me. Hence the door being open to me being fearful, anxiety, got depression, worried about what people thought of me. So fast forward, we went to England to run another boys' home with more boys. Still the oldest, a little bit taller, still handsome. 
But as you can tell by the way I'm telling the story, is this is the bravado that I put on so that you never knew. I came to this church and people didn't know that I was suffering from depression. Severe depression. Anyway, England, again, more kids, more trouble. School, more trouble. Uh, we came back to New Zealand and um, at college I, I passed, just passed, by a miracle I just passed my tech drawing. Uh, so that's fifth form, so that's year 11. Uh, so into year 12 and I'm sitting in first day, first five minutes of the, of the um, class in, tech dra in technical drafting and the teacher looks at me and goes, what are you doing in this class? You got 51%. Everybody else here is in the 70s, 80s and 90s. You don't belong here. You're never going to amount to anything in this class. So all of that leading up just kept you know, throwing petrol on the fire that was in my, in my head and in my body of, I'm not good enough. I'll never amount to anything. You're useless. What's the point in being alive? You know, you've got nothing for anybody here. You, know, you might as well be dead. And I thought that. So I've, I was on medication for a good 30 years of, um, of antidepressants. And uh, I'd been coming to youth for a little while and then obviously I went away for 20 years and lived life. And I came back to the church and um, I know God had a reason for that, for me to come back. Pastor now, but, uh, but, uh, but I knew there was, up leading up to now, there was a reason why I was, why I was back in the church. Unfortunately, I, got to, I, I didn't get to see Pastor Don again, which is something I... I but anyway, uh, I was still struggling with depression. Again, nobody knew. Uh, I, I, I did tell Lisa that I was, you know, that there was things going on in my life. Obviously, didn't tell her too much at the t when we first met each other again. But one day I came to church, and uh, I don't can't even remember who was preaching, whether it was a visiting pastor. But he he called people up for things around depression. And so I thought, oh, that's me. But I'll go up anyway. So anyway, I came up to, the, up to the front and I had a real knowing that it was time that I actually had to let God in, that I couldn't do anything, that the, th the thoughts that I had about myself were wrong, that the devil had been put in, that I had let the door in, oh, sorry, I'd let the, the door open and the devil just kept getting in. And I wasn't... I wasn't permitting God to do the work in my life that he needed to do. So on that day, there's a little bit of carpet down here that one day I'm going to cut out and take home and frame because I regave my heart to the Lord down there and my life changed dramatically. I lay there for 22 minutes. This service finished and I was still there. Everybody thought I'd gone to sleep. I must have been on drugs. I was on God's drug. Now, if you, if you know the Marvel movies, you know, at the start, and they have the, the, the cartoon pages flicking over, that was my life. That was God going, oh, don't worry about that, I've sorted that one. That's fixed. That's fixed. That's fixed. So for over 22 minutes, he did work in my life. 
And all it took is for me to say, Lord, I can't do this. In my, I can't do this. On my own, I can't do this. I need you. And he just said, well, here I am. And he loved on me for 22 minutes. And like James says, keep going back to that moment that, that God came into your life whenever you have any problems because at that point in time in my life, God made me whole again. Thank you. We don't know what people go through, do we? So, I just wanted to encourage you to get the word of God into your heart and declare it because it says, oh, it makes me feel really emotional. Hebrews 4.12 and 13 says, The word of God is living and powerful that's right. Oh, okay, thanks. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So God knows every single thing. He knows the deepest thoughts in your heart. He knows the hard things you go through. Those deep thoughts are, sometimes we don't even understand them ourselves. They're the thoughts, that the innermost thoughts, are those thoughts that flit through our mind without us consciously thinking it. And I've, I've come to realize uh, lately that I know the word of God, but Sometimes there are some really deep-rooted things that I have like a default setting for, and I need to change that, and I'm sure you probably do too. Um, but all we have to do is decide to do it. And so I just want to finish with that because I want to give an opportunity for people to, first of all, if, if you have never, ever received Jesus and, and you know, this, I just can't do this anymore, I need help, God is waiting to do that. He can do that. He can take that pain and make it right. He can give you peace that you may have never, ever had. He can give you joy that you haven't experienced. And all you have to do is say, God, I'm willing and so I want to give an opportunity for people that don't know God to come up to the front and we'll lead you through a prayer of salvation. The other thing is, if there is anything you want prayer for, if, if this message has struck a chord with you, I want you to come up and receive some prayer as well. And the leaders and the ministry team are here to minister to you. So come forward, please don't be, shy. don't be shy. Don't let a fear of being embarrassed stop you coming up and receiving from God. Don't let fear or anxiety about standing up here. At, do you know what? Actually, nobody, everybody supports you. So if you want prayer, please come forward.
and we will pray for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for, for this day. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God, for these beautiful people. Thank you, Father God, that you are doing a, a good work in us, Father. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that he who has begun a good work in us is faithful to complete it. Thank you, Father God, that you love us, that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die for you, to die for us, to die on the cross a horrible death so that we wouldn't have to receive that punishment on ourselves. But if we, all we have to do is just accept what Jesus has done. So thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.